Hi, Green Junkie. I'm your host, Stephanie Moran. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Emily Padan about slow living. Such a great topic. <laughs> she's a co-owner of Hinter, a design-focused carbon-neutral hotel. And she's also the founder of Bloom Class, a virtual education company. Emily runs the social media for both her brands and is a personal advocate for slow living and sustainability. She takes on contractional clients as well. She enjoys helping companies increase their social media presence and branding. If you love learning new ways you can reduce your impact on the environment, please subscribe to the Green Junkie podcast on whatever platform you get your podcasts. That way you never miss another Green Living episode. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Of course, of course. So the first question, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. So as mentioned, my name is Emily and I am from Montreal, currently living in Montreal, although I do travel quite often. And I used to be a teacher, actually. I was an elementary school teacher for seven years. And then around that last year of my teaching career, I met my soon-to-be husband, Mauricio, and him and I started putting our heads together. He had already had some dreams of a certain kind of business, which now to this day exists, and we are running it together. So we run Hinter, which we'll talk a little bit more about soon, I'm sure. And I also kind of kept that education side of things, and I created a educational, a virtual educational platform during the pandemic, actually called Bloom Class. And what else? I'm I had my own podcast as well, which I'm on a little a little hiatus from right now. And that's called Finding Your Wave. And in general, I just really enjoy living sustainably and living slowly. And I do think that those two things go hand in hand. So I'm sure we'll dive a little bit more into that soon. And when was your like aha moment when it came to like sustainability? Was there something that happened in your life where you decided I need to change the way I shop. I need to change what I eat. I need to change different things in your life to live more sustainably. Was there something that happened or was it gradual? Were you raised this way? I would say it was quite gradual. I remember, I mean, I've always been a lover of like animals and nature and trees. I was the kid that would climb the trees and stay in the trees for hours. (laughs) You know, that was always, I think, in my blood and in my personality. But in high school, there were even like, there were some clubs, like environmental clubs, and I joined those. And I loved like advocating for the environment and going around and telling parents who were waiting in their cars to pick up their kids from school (laughs) to shut off their engines. And I explained to them about idling and it was not so cool back then. (laughs) Like we were kind of like seven of us in the whole grade that we would do this. But I didn't really care, to be honest. I knew it was the right thing and I cared about it. And I thought like, I, I just, I like, I like being green. I like the environment. I want to take care of it. And then over time, I'm a very curious person. So I've just, I've done a lot of research. I read a lot. I listen to podcasts, you know, when clubhouse was like really big, I was on clubhouse at the time. And that's where you and I connected actually. And I just consume a lot of information. And I mean, we all do in this age, but I think I specifically tried to consume as much as I could things that I could learn from. And over the years, I got greener and greener 
And every day I, I try to, as much as I can, to keep getting better at, at my sustainability journey. So you mentioned slow living. Yes. What is like your definition of slow living? Slow living. I mean, there could be like a million definitions, but what is yours? My definition of slow living is enjoying the moment, experiencing life for every ounce of what it's here to give you with all your five senses, with all your, I mean, depending on what you believe in with all your bodies, you know, or your, your mind, body, spirit, it's just embracing it. I mean, life is fast and especially in a world full of consumerism and just technology, everything is fast. And I think that I, I myself very much fell into that trap. I was always in touch with nature and trying to live sustainably, but I was not always into slow living. That was something that I was, I mean, I was working as a teacher. I was grinding, waking up early, working long hours, you know, going to tutor after teaching, getting home late. I was in a toxic relationship back then. I was, I was, you know, just not sleeping enough. And even when I was awake, I wasn't really awake. I wasn't noticing what was around me. I wasn't embracing it. I wasn't hearing the birds chirping outside on a spring day, or I wasn't maybe taking the a time to like notice a fabric in my hands and like really feel what it meant to me. And I think that it was over the last, I don't know, three, four years that I really started paying attention more and almost waking up. And to me, that's slow living. It's noticing things, taking your time with things, taking a moment when you feel a little overwhelmed before you get to the point where you're in a breakdown and taking that deep breath or taking five minutes to meditate or just like curling up in bed in the middle of the day and just like reading a book, you know, whatever it is that you need to me that that is slow living. And that is hand in hand with sustainability because when you slow down and when you pay attention, you notice the natural world around you more and then you, you care about it more. And caring for the natural world and caring for yourself are so intertwined. And it's like, you know, the expression that a lot of people say, like, oh, smell the roses, you know, when you're walking and stuff. It's literally taking the time to enjoy that big tree that might be outside. You know, I have a friend that goes to the same tree whenever she goes walking and she just sits with that tree. You know what I mean? It's like it's like her guide for her. <laughs> and, and, and there's there's something to say even about about nature and how it grounds you. Like there's something right. literally even called grounding where sometimes when I go for a, a walk or a run, I'll stop at a tree and do my stretches and I'll put my hand on the tree and I I'm grounding because when you put your your skin contact with nature, it actually I don't know the science entirely behind it, but <laughs> I know that it 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 helps your body become more balanced because of the the minerals. And I just don't want to look like a crazy person, like just, just touching the tree. So I do my stretches, but honestly, we should all embrace the crazy in us and hug more trees more often. So. Yeah. And it's like, also like that, the opposite of like that hustle mentality where it's like, go, go, go. You know, if you're, if you're not, if you're not, you know, pushing your business forward and you're not like, you know, doing all this, the stuff to move your business forward, let's say talking about business, then then you're not working hard enough, you know? And I was in that roller coaster for a while of I'm not allowed to watch TV. I'm I, you know, I missed some of my kids' stuff. I, I was traveling a lot. And it's like just constantly hearing in my ear, like, you know, 
sleep when you're dead, you know, like that expression of like, just go, go, go now. And yep. it's just completely changed for me specifically, like right before, you know, all the crazy went on with the pandemic and having to be at home with my kids, I just reevaluated a lot for me and now changing those priorities. And I think it's about changing priorities, right? It's okay. I'm going to take my priority. It's going to be that I'm going to walk every day, even if it's for 30 minutes, I'm going to take my shoes off and my socks and walk outside, you know, and just literally smelling the roses. Exactly. And I feel like when we do that and we're in a good space, then life in general is better. But then if we are, if we have our own business, then our business will also flourish because we're mentally in a good space. We're not in that constant, like high energy, like where you're almost in a, in a breakdown. Absolutely. Our, our business is a direct correlation of ourselves. And if we're not okay, our business probably won't be okay either. Even if we're grinding and hustling, which Mm -hmm. I hate those words, but if we're (laughs) doing that, your business can only get so far if then you just keep, it's almost like peaks and valleys and you just keep, you know, okay, you hustle, you grind, and then you collapse and it's, it's not going to sustain itself. But if you're slow and steady and you create a slow living lifestyle for yourself and then a slow business for your lifestyle and for, you know, that's when your business will then be a reflection of that same mentality that you're encompassing. And I feel like slow living is also, you know, saying no when it doesn't spark you joy. And I personally struggled with that a lot. I said yes to everything. And recently I've been saying no a lot because it's not sparking me joy. You know, for example, there was something happening, an event or something, and I just wasn't feeling it, but I felt like I had to go to, like, I had to do it. And that's what was drawing me to it. Like, I have to do this. I have to do this. And I stepped back and I said, I don't have to do this. I want to go to Jackson's soccer game. I want to be present for him at that soccer game and that event. I can find another one to go to, you know? So it's like, you can't do it all, right? No, you can't. So part of slow living and living mindfully is making those decisions and realizing, like you said, like what brings me joy and what brings me like which activities or meetings or you know, friend dates, whatever they are, which of those are important to me and support the life that I want to live and support the vision I have for myself and my business and my family and, you know, all of the things that are important to myself. And I I feel like it's also, so living is like you said, doing things that are important to you and not necessarily getting rid of, but just kind of, again, doesn't spark me joy and realizing what truly is important. And I feel like it's a hard transition. If this is, if you've been in hustle mode, whether it's business, whether it's life, like you work a nine to five and you're always in hustle mode, the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep, it's hard to transition to a more slow living life. Like it's hard. Absolutely. It's really hard. And it's like, trust me, I still have to like sometimes stop and remind myself like, no, 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 hold on, take a breath. Like you're getting riled up about like something that's not important right now, or it is important, but you can't like getting upset won't solve it. So let's like ground ourselves, like center ourselves and figure out what we can do to solve the problem. And it's definitely not stressing, you know? The 
The old gods have fallen, and the world descends into turmoil. But amidst nations rallying their armies... A nefarious cult, hell-bent on chaos... And the new gods, attempting to seize control of it all. A spark of hope arises. We are the agents of repair, and we vow to contest these evils. To make the world a better place, no matter what stands in our way. Listen to Venture Forth, a D&D podcast, across all podcasting platforms. And so when I was in like very much for a period of when I started my own business and on my entrepreneurial journey, I was in that hustle mode. And like I said, it was recently like the last two years. And it's been a struggle to change like my mind a little bit where normally I would say yes to everything and it's going, no, no, I want to be more at home. You know, it was important for me that my friend, my best friend lives in Montreal and she's about to have another baby and she has another little baby and my kids are older. So when your kids are a bit older, like it's different having little kids and older kids and then teenagers and then adults, like it's just different. So I'm able to not always be at home with them. Right. Whereas if I had a little baby, it'd be harder for me to get to Montreal all the time. I live about 20 minutes from Montreal without traffic. And so again, it's making that a priority of like that. slow living, like, yes, I have a lot on my plate for my business, but for the last, I would say year and a half to two years, I would say almost every single week I've gone to Montreal to see my best friend. And it's just because, and I've told them like, I've made this a priority because in the past I haven't made it a priority. Well, you and need in one year or two years and my business is maybe still here, maybe not here. I still want you here. Exactly. Exactly. And not only that, but you need to energize yourself with the things that give you life, like that give you meaning, because those are the things that will fuel you to be better at everything else you do. So if seeing your friend every week is something that gives you energy and creativity or whether it's that, or it's walking to your favorite coffee shop every day and getting your favorite coffee or matcha or chai, you know, and, and going for a 20 minute walk while you sip it, you know, in the sun, if whatever it is that gives you energy and gives you like that, you know, joie de vivre, like reason for living that good, good vibe, then you need to do that because that will, that will give you more creativity in your work. That will give you more energy for your, your spouse or your children. That will give you more like relaxation at night before you go to sleep. And I love when you mentioned earlier about, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead type of mentality. And like, my dad is literally one of my favorite people in this world, but he's always said that he's always been, Oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like, you know, like he's so busy, busy, busy. And I heard that growing up and I've always looked up to him in many, many, many ways. So I always thought that was like the right way to see it. Like, oh, sleep's not a big deal. Like I have time to do that when I'm, when I'm dead, like I want to live my life to the fullest, but you can do both. You can live your life to the fullest and rest and living to the fullest means something different for everyone. So you also have to figure out what that means for you. And you're speaking of chai. So I used to (laughs) go to a local coffee shop, like all the time. Like I was always going and I was like, I don't think I need to go all the time. So then I switched it to every Friday I get a chai latte 
And then it kind of changed my experience. I know it's just tea and people are probably like, okay, Stephanie, that's weird. It's a chai latte. But it's like this local place that has been open for the last two years through everything. And I've always been supporting them. And when I was going almost not every day, but like, you know, more than once a week, it was fun. But then when I changed it to Friday is like chai latte day. (laughs) It just changed everything for me. I drive there. I check if they have the vegan cookies because they only have one type of vegan cookie. And I bring my reusable container with me and I put the cookies in my reusable container and I go with my like hydro flask. And it's like an experience for me now. I'm like, it's chai latte day. (laughs) And you know, Stephanie, you said before it's just tea. It's not just tea. Tea is like... (laughs) so so important like it's i i i get you tea can tea like it's a vibe (laughs) (laughs) it's a vibe when it's like and i then i because i decided that i didn't really need to get that chai latte all the time then i started making matcha at home and it's like a i'm saving like crap ton of money and i'm using whatever matcha i want to use and it tastes so good oh it's the best i i mean we could have I'm a whole episode on matcha. matcha life. That's that's what I live for. And I, I don't drink coffee. I just drink matcha and chai and things like that. But I that's also why we get along. We both don't drink coffee. Yeah. And we're like <laughs> a rare breed, you know. So. <laughs> so we're talking about like slow living, sustainability. So what are things that you do personally in your life? You know, I follow you on Instagram. I see like very much how you slow live, you know, today posting on Instagram, like, this is what I'm doing today. And it was like a lot of stuff, but it wasn't. And it was you, you know, pouring a matcha. It was like, I'm going to have a podcast. I'm going to record a podcast today. I'm going to drink my matcha. I'm going to sleep in today. I'm going (laughs) to maybe speak to a client. Like, and that kind of stuff personally inspires me because when I see the to-do lists that are really, really long, I get overwhelmed and then I don't do anything. So I've started to like write down all the things I want to do in a week, but then I extract like three things a day that I really want to do. And if I do more, great. And if I, I'll at least get the three done. So what types of things do you do, you know, every day, personal, professional, like to really achieve that slow living and like the sustainability aspect? So I love that you bring up the whole like to-do list and the schedule and everything like that, because as I'm sure you've seen, or I'm sure your listeners have seen, if you're on Instagram or on TikTok, there's a lot of this whole like that girl aesthetic and that girl thing going on. It's this trend where it's like this girl who wakes up at 5.30 in the morning every day. (laughs) She does a workout. She showers. She does perfect hair. She makes a green smoothie and she journals and she meditates all that before like 8 (laughs) a.m. And like, who are you? Um, I want to meet you and understand you, but you know, and she does all that. And then she works her full day and then she gets definitely her full eight hours of sleep. And, and by some miracle, she has children. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that. Um, and if you are that girl listening, like good for you, honestly, I, I say that with like true, I'm super impressed. I myself have realized that I love to be productive. Yes but not if it comes at the cost of my creativity and my like mindfulness as well. And for me personally, if I'm trying to achieve too much in a day, it does come at that cost. So I've realized that I do have somewhat of a morning routine, 
but my morning routine is also very flexible depending on how I feel that day. What part of my cycle am I in? You know, uh, is it sunny outside or is it miserably gray and rainy? Like these things really do affect me of being. So I'm like highly affected by everything around me in my environment. So in order to kind of make myself as successful and happy as I can possibly be in my everyday life, I try to set up my environment as a, in a conducive way to me doing the best I can in my work and in my, you know, in my mentality and everything. So every morning I do try to either do like some stretches or a workout, but sometimes it's a really gentle yoga or Pilates or something, but otherwise it's like, it could literally be 10 minutes. It's something just to move my body a little bit. And then one non-negotiable is I always, always make my matcha latte. And I think that that is almost like a very meditative thing for me. And it's my little, isn't it? Yeah. It's gorgeous. Like (laughs) I, it just, it's soothing. It just makes me feel good. It's warm, even in the middle of the summer when it's like 35 degrees. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, I mean, sometimes I even make them iced, but I have to say there's something about the hot, like the warm matcha in the morning and the ritual of it and the pouring, like I love it. And that has become a ritual of mine for about six or eight months. I'll record a story of me doing that every single morning. And when I skip a day because I'm like traveling or something, people are like, where's your matcha? I'm like, I didn't even know people cared about this, but apparently they do. So I'll write my day. And I honestly, for me, it's a way of like holding myself accountable, but also I do want to share with others that like your day does not have to be like seven meetings a day and hustle culture. It doesn't. So I write, I do my matcha. If I can, I journal. I don't, I have been a little bit bad in the last few weeks with journaling, but if I can, I do. And then I have my matcha and breakfast often while I kind of like think about my day and I post that story while I'm doing that. So I kind of map out my day and I try not to book more than one, more than one or two meetings. And if I am being in an interview or a podcast, then I'll try not to do more than one of those per day because I like to have a certain type of energy for that. And I don't want to like show up to something when I'm like, my cup is not full, you know? So yeah, I do that. And of course I'm always working on, on our businesses and trying to put as much creativity into it. But like I mentioned before, cycle has a huge impact on me as well. So like right now I'm going into like my ovulation time and like I'm full of energy. I'm full of creativity. I feel great. But I mean, if you catch me when I'm menstruating, like I'm not the same me and I'm more, I'm much slower at getting things done. And I love that you shared that because, and and about the story about the the girl that does all these things before 8am. I think often like we're on Instagram and we're just bombarded with a lot of that like hustle culture, like not saying it's only men that talk about hustle, but a lot of the time it is that are talking about that hustle. And I see it a lot. And I was always thinking, oh, I need to be so productive in the morning, but I have kids. They only get on the bus at eight. I'm not waking up at 4am. Like it's not going to happen. And then I realized I'm like, a lot of them get up at 4am, but they're partners with the kids. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? That's why they can get up at four and do all these things before 6am. And then when the kids wake up, they're still working, but they have a partner that's taking those kids for them. And that's me. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I would be that one taking care of them. So I've just kind of also embraced the fact that we're not going to get everything done. We're all on different schedules and 
our lives look completely different. And so for me, like that slow living is like three times a week. I go to the boxing gym that I go to because it's open three mornings a week. And like, that's my priority. So I make my matcha when I come home. Other days I make it when I wake up. I want to walk every day. And I feel like when I do these things, like in a routine, kind of like you, then my rest of my day just flows. And I also used to like, try to like jam pack my day. Like, oh my gosh, like the reason, you know, I was telling you before, like I do, you know, two to four podcast recordings on Tuesday, but that's like the only day of the week I have that much going on because it takes a lot of energy to record. And I don't want to deplete my energy like every single day. So I'm like, I'm just going to do it all on Tuesday, but the rest of the week, I'm kind of sort of like you where I might do like one or two meetings because it takes a lot, you know, when you're, when you're constantly meetings, you're constantly talking, you know, your voice, your mouth gets dry, you know, a lot of brain activity going on. So I just love this whole concept of slow living and just how we don't have to do what everyone else is doing. And be in I was, I was actually just going to say that, like, I think the biggest key point here is whatever works for you, that's what you should do. It's not because that girl is to wake up at five 30 in the morning, you know, right. And whether some people work out best at 8 PM at night, you know, some people, they, they, they're night owls and, and maybe they sleep in later, but then they work better and they're more creative at night. And maybe they're uh, a musician and they write their best music late at night, whatever it is for you, like you have to find your way and what works for you. How do you feel the most rested, creative, productive in, in, you know, in the best way possible. Sometimes the word productive gets misconstrued, but how do you function the best? That's kind of our, all of our biggest job to do is to figure out how, how can we serve ourselves the best? And I remember, I don't know if I was talking to somebody or saw it somewhere on the internet about, you know, waking up early and like grinding, right? Like getting, everything done. But then, like you said, some people might sleep in because they're most more productive at night, but it's the early risers that are always praised. Like, Oh my gosh, you wake up at 4am. Oh my gosh, you got up at five and you got three hours of work done before 8am. You're amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. maybe I slept in till 10, which is not likely because I have kids, but <laughs> if I did, well, maybe I'm got still a ton of three hours, the same amount of work done, but I did it from five at night to eight. Cause that's when I'm most creative. Exactly. So it, I don't think it's necessarily the time of day. I think it's just, you know, mapping out what works for you and just this concept of still living. It's like something I'm personally really like leaning into a lot more where, you know what, if something doesn't get done, something, it doesn't get done. <laughs> like it just exactly. doesn't get done. And I think we're, a lot of us are programmed to like, always say yes, always like, don't give up an opportunity and blah, blah, blah. And I had a great opportunity last week to like be in a magazine. Something happened this weekend and the work they wanted it. I had a very short like turnover. They wanted it by like Monday and some stuff happened on the weekend and I couldn't get it done. So I emailed who I needed to email. And I said, look, this is not going to get done. I appreciate the opportunity. I really, truly do. Some personal stuff came up. I need to choose my family right now. If you're okay for me to give you the information, like what you wanted from me Tuesday morning, I will have it for you Tuesday morning. And I was completely honest with them. And they were like, sure, get it to us by like 9 a.m. Tuesday. 
And I was still able to have that opportunity. And I, and that moment I had to choose my family. So sometimes even if there's the best opportunity, you're going to be on the today show or, you know, whatever opportunity is that would fall in your lap that you just couldn't pass up. Sometimes you're going to still have to pass them up because it's just not the right moment. And so I had to almost say no to this opportunity, which would have been such a great opportunity, but I was just honest with them and said like, and part of me inside was like not dying, but thinking, can't believe I'm giving this up. Like, this is such a great opportunity, but I knew that if I sat for three hours and wrote what I needed to write, then I was giving up something else that I didn't want to give up. And my friend said to me, I think it was like in January, she says, when you're sitting with like a decision and like this for me is what I've been doing for the last couple of months. Like, and it has to do with like that slow living mindset. She said, if you're faced with like two decisions and they're both kind of hard decisions, just sit with it. And which one will give you the most relief? Like if you had to decide right now about writing that article for this magazine or being with your family, if you wrote the article, will you feel relief in that decision? If the answer is yes, then maybe that's the right decision. But I wasn't going to feel relief in writing that article. I knew deep down, like, I'm not going to have any relief. So that's why making that decision of I needed to be there for my family was the right decision. And it's just, it's all like intertwined, eh? Like that slow living and making the decisions and all the decisions are best for you. But when I make a decision, I always sit and go, which one is going to give me the most relief in the moment right now? I love that. Honestly, I hadn't heard that strategy before, but I really like that idea of thinking of what gives you more relief. I'm going to try that. Yeah. And it just made the decision that I made yesterday and Sunday, like a no brainer. Well, if I write the article, I'm going to be stressed out. And guess what? All day yesterday, I was super chill. I was with my family and there was like zero stress. But if I would have sat and wrote that article, I would have been stressed out about not being with my family at that time. That's how I'm kind of making decisions now. <laughs> and then I like bracing, that way, like, honestly, it's kind of like listening to your knowing, listening to your instinct as well, following that, because sometimes it's hard to hear it. But if we listen, like quiet ourselves a little bit and really feel what pulls you, what makes you feel right. warm, what makes you feel cold, you know, you want to gravitate towards what makes you feel warm, what makes right, you feel exactly. Warm. And that's matcha lattes. <laughs> there you go. Warm matcha lattes <laughs> for the win. So you and your husband own Hinter House right? So kind of how did that get started? And how do you incorporate like that slow living, slow living and like sustainability into like the design and how you like market Hinter House? And a lot of people probably don't even know what Hinter House is. So maybe you can just tell people what Hinter House is. Yeah. <laughs> kind of so, just like describe it a little bit. So Hinter is the name of the company and it's the, the, our brand. And it's essentially like a hotel company right now. It's, it's, will be a few other things shortly, but for the most part, it is a hotel company. So within Hinter, we have different spaces that people can stay at. We have Hinter House, which is one of them, which is a architectural piece that we built in 2020. That's when it was finally ready in the middle of 2020. And then we also have Hinter Cabin X, which is a prefab cabin pretty close by about like, I mean, two, three kilometers, not even uh, probably two kilometers away from Hinterhouse. And that one is a little bit more like some other cabins in the area, but we put our own little spin on it within the interiors and it has gorgeous views of Mont Tremblant 
and like amazing mountain views. Hinter House, I might add, the one I was first talking about, that one also has a private sauna down a few steps into the woods, which is really special. And then most recently, we have a third space in Sutton in the eastern townships of Quebec. And that space is called Hinter Hideout. And that is our largest space. The other two are two bedroom, one bathroom, very minimalist cabins in the woods. This space is also quite minimalist as well. And it's done by an amazing architect as well. However, it's a larger space. It's We call it a space for gatherers. It's you know a place that you can go for a, a small gathering, a family reunion, maybe even run a retreat there. There's a lot of potential. There's five bedrooms within the main house and there's a guest house next door that has two bedrooms as well. So there's a lot of potential to, depending on the event, to create different, get different groups together. So all that to say, we have these spaces, which are really design oriented and focused on merging architecture and design with nature. So you mean, I mean like large windows, light pouring in everywhere. You really feel almost like the the inside and the outside worlds just blend together. You almost don't know where the, where the boundaries lie. And we rent them out as a hotel, you know, you, you go on the website and you can book them. And the, the brand itself not only focuses on nature and design, but also sustainability. So we started the company about three and a half years ago at the start of 2019, I believe. And we started more just, you know, renting them out, focusing on the human experience. But then by the end of 2019, we decided like, hold on, we're doing all this to benefit human beings and their well-being. And, you know, we're, we're encouraging people to go visit nature, but what are we doing for nature? So we decided to start planting 10 trees for every single booking that we have, which is approximately 1,500 trees per house per year. And we also, as time went on throughout the last two, three years, we have increasingly just started to become more and more eco-friendly, sustainable, work with small businesses, artisans in the area. So for example, like all in a hinter house, all of our cabinetry you know, the, the kitchen island, the the cabinetry in the bedrooms, all of that is done with a carpenter, a local carpenter who lives like 10 minutes away from the houses. Uh, he's, you know, like a 60 something year old man and he mm-hmm. did everything by hand. We have, we work with a small company in Montreal called Alphabet where they make furniture and everything is handmade and most of our furniture will come from them. We will have like light fixtures that are from, you know, a, a young 20 something year old Montreal young man. And he makes these by hand in his workshop and he creates gorgeous, gorgeous lighting, things like that. We're always looking like because sustainability, as, as I know, you know, Stephanie we've talked about these all these kinds of conversations before. There's so much to it. Right. I mean, it's about not wasting, of course, but it's also about supporting small businesses, local, not mass production. Oh, and another thing is we use all like home and body care products that are biodegradable, refillable. You know, we don't want like no tiny bottles of shampoo over here, you know, none of that. So yeah, that's kind of the gist of Hinter. And I just like, I like how you use like local people. You really want it to be Sustainable, because sustainable can mean so many things, right? Like there's so many pieces to sustainability. It's like incorporating planet and people, right? And I like how you are using, you're putting like the welfare of people to, that are creating these products 
a thought because a lot of people forget about that part. They think like, oh, I want the organic cotton. I want the, you know, I want this, I want this. And then they forget the element of like the people, like who's making it. So I just, I like that you're definitely bringing that in. Like, I want to know who's making my stuff. Like, I want to know who's growing my food. I want to know all these things. And I liked when I see that Hinter, like, I just like how you had like all the herbs, like right in the kitchen and you could just like take some basil or where, whatever it is, like you incorporated that in and it's just like a really beautiful space. And thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, and no, it's so nice to hear like when people who have actually stayed there and have like had the experience and touched things, felt things, tasted things, you know, I mean, that's like, it's music to our ears to hear like the experience come to life. And I think people are looking for those types of experiences where it's not just a hotel, like a random hotel. That's like a chain where it's more, oh, I'm going to stay on this property where, you know, they have really good personal care products. You know, it's not random toxic brand, you know, or they've taken the people that have created the space, have taken the time to decorate it where it'll be peaceful. You know what I mean? It's, you know, the lighting and all these things. And I think that's what people want. They want to feel not necessarily as that, that they're at home, but they're in a nice space and are not sitting in a hotel room. Exactly. There's a human touch and right. there's, there's soul in the space. That's what you need. Soul. Yeah. And it's, and you have plans of opening more. <laughs> we do. Well, okay. So Hinter Hideout, we just opened the one in Sutton in the Eastern townships that we just launched it actually just over a week ago. So that one has just started booking up and it's pretty exciting because it's, you know, it's a different product for us. It's in a different location. It's a larger space. So we didn't know how it was going to go, but it's been a really, really great great outcome so far and a great response. And in, you know, in the works, something that's been in the works for quite a while, but it's getting closer and closer as, you know, every step gets, we get through every step because there's so much involved. We are planning a large project of probably approximately 50 houses where it's going to be more of it's going to be a hybrid between a real estate project and a hotel project because they'll be up for purchase the houses. And when you purchase the house, you would have the option of either just purchasing it, living in it or using it when you want. Or if you want it to at least part of the time be a rental property, then Hinter would manage it under the hotel. And of course, take a cut from that, you know, so it would be kind of an part of the time your house, part of the time, a small investment, basically, and a passive income. And the best part, in my opinion, about this whole thing is it's not just houses, it would be kind of be part of this 250 acre piece of land, um, where it's a community. So there would not only be the houses, there'd be other structures, such as a yoga pavilion, um, there would be most likely some sort of restaurant or cafe, that part is still in the in discussion but definitely uh, a library so like people can go work from there read from there so there's that community aspect there'd even be permaculture there'd be options for workshops um, private private uh, yoga classes or private cooking classes all kinds of really interesting ways of once again, bringing people to understanding why nature is so important and then connecting with others who also care about that as well. 
That sounds really interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're really super excited. interesting. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about it. And when it, you know, starts becoming more real. Yes. Yes. <laughs> soon enough. Soon enough. Things take so long as I'm sure, you know, but we're excited. We're super excited. So where can people find you like on social media, your website? And I, I'm going to post everything in the show notes, but just for people listening, like where is it that they can find you? Yeah, I think like an easy hub. I mean, to get in touch with me personally, my Instagram is probably the best place. It's just my full name at Emily Padan. And uh, I'm on TikTok as well. It's been about like four or five months that I'm on there and I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I did not think I would be, but, um, and then Hinter, I mean, Hinter, you can find it on Instagram as well. It's linked in my profile, but the, the main account is at Hinter company or our website, Hinter.com. And you'll see a little bit of everything there and you can easily find out more about what we're about. And more importantly, which you can't understand through voice, you'll be able to see what, you know, what both you and I, Stephanie have been talking about of like the aesthetic of it all. Right. And you had mentioned that for Hinter, if anybody booked, if you're in the Montreal area or you want to get away, that you had a discount, like a 10% off. It was, oh, they had to email you. Is that correct? Actually, um, we now have discount codes. So oh. yeah, we can we can definitely create a discount code for you. So uh, we can do Green Junkie 10. How, how's that? That sounds perfect. And then I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And I'll create that right after we record this. So (laughs) it'll be ready. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So Green Junkie 10. um, If you go to Hinter, if you're coming to Quebec or the Montreal area, you can grab a spot. They do fill it fast. So um, book in advance. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And that would be that would be for any of our properties, by the way. That's applicable on any of the three properties. Perfect. And so thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really great conversation. Um, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. Emily and I met over a year ago on Clubhouse. And it's kind of funny. I feel like we're having like a Clubhouse conversation (laughs) as we're like recording this podcast. I know. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. It was a lot of fun and a really great conversation. So if you're looking for more green living inspiration, I have a couple of other episodes that you might want to dive into. Number 23, Creating Sustainable Businesses with Sarah Miltenberger. Uh, Episode 29, Keeping It Fun with Inventor and Owner of Big B, Little B, Amy Leinbach. And number 27, Eco Guilt, Just Drop It. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at Green Junkie Podcast or at This Is Stephanie Moram. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Junkie Podcast on, on the platform you're listening. If you're curious about reducing your environmental impact as an individual or as a business, I've got you covered. For direct access to me, your sustainability consultant and green living expert, click the link in the show notes where you can ask me a question and get a customized plan on how you can live more green on an individual level or how to implement sustainable strategies into your business for positive for a positive climate. Hop on a one-on-one call with me or ask me your questions via email if Zoom is not your thing. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday, Green Junkie.